Hi friends, welcome to the Partnership Podcast, exploring gospel partnership and generosity in the Bible, alongside stories of support raising from around our fellowship. We pray you'll be encouraged by it. Hi everyone and welcome to episode three of our Partnership Podcast and thanks Sally for joining me again today as we talk about Jesus sending the 12 out among the towns of Israel uh, to pre-claim the gospel. Mm, a pleasure to be here. Good. Uh, let's pray as we kick off. Uh, Father, we do thank you so much that you are the God who sends workers out into the harvest. And Lord, as we sit with this passage and chat about it, hear it read, Lord, we pray that you would be shaping us and uh, helping us to learn from this initial sending uh, what we can about how our partnership ministry should be shaped today. And so we ask that you'd be at work in us as we listen and as we think and pray. And we pray ask it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, so we're reading from Matthew 9, 35 to 10, 15, and I'm reading from the ESV. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Philip, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, Cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold, nor silver, nor copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor a staff, for the labourer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Great. Thanks, Sally. That's okay. Uh, So here we see Jesus sending out the 12 to preach among the towns of Israel in this kind of restart of the kingdom, proclaiming and healing. Uh, But I'm particularly interested in this passage just in that... um, the way in which Jesus kind of uh, gives instructions about their material needs um, as they go doing this kind of travelling journey. Um, And I think there's a really interesting dynamic here. So in verse, uh, the end of verse 8, Jesus talks about how you've received without payment, give without payment, Um, and yet there's this expectation that the people whom they go and minister to, that actually they should just find someone who's worthy and stay in their house and... Mm. They're worthy of uh, their food. Um, 
yeah, so this expectation that they'll, they'll give without payment and yet they will be supported as they do it. Uh, and even if they aren't supported by the town and the people that they go to, that like it's going to be terrible judgment mm. on the towns mm. um, and worse, worse than for Sodom and Gomorrah, which is pretty bad. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think that's really interesting when you think about it in relation to ministry. I actually think there's something about this dynamic that our support raising model kind of actually doesn't do too bad a job of capturing this dynamic that we mm. receive we give our ministry freely to students. We don't charge, you know, um, membership fees to be able to come to Bible studies and we don't charge like a, tr- a fee for a course, like here's the price for doing the course, or we don't um, make people pay $10 when they come along to every Bible talk. We sometimes get students to pay for their food or for camps or things like that. But the actual staff time and the ministry, the coming along to our activities is, is largely given um, freely uh, hmm. because we really want the gospel to be available to everyone and to be able to, to offer it freely. Um, hmm. And yet our staff, we recognise that we have material needs and our families and um, need need support, uh, need food, things like that. And so we expect that and look to the, the church more broadly to provide that kind of support. Hmm. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because it's not a model of... Um, we should be working in secular work and then coming to university to share our time freely. But um, it this is more a model of, yes, we um, give the gospel free of charge, but people do support our needs, which really links in with what we're doing um, yeah. in terms yeah. of partnership. And, yes, and here, and I think that, you know, elsewhere um, there is that tent-making idea and there's something there. We can talk about that later another time. Yeah. But I think here it's really interesting because it's not, In verse 9, when Jesus says you shouldn't take any gold or silver or copper, don't acquire any, it seems like it really was a a live possibility that they could have thought, well, we're about to go travelling, let's get some money in case we need anything or um, Mm. let's take a bag so we can carry our things or take a spare tunic or a spare pair of sandals. It seems like not Mm. a bad idea if you are going on a walking trip and yet he's actually explicitly saying not even... um, don't get any extras or don't worry too much if you don't have them, but actually deliberately don't take them so that those mm. you go amongst will provide them, um, mm. which is such a radical dependence to deliberately not take them along. Mm. Mm. And I would imagine it would also lighten your load when you're actually walking from town to town that you don't have all this stuff that you have to carry alongside <laughs> as well, just as a side as a side point, yeah. Yeah, there mm. is that too. I sometimes think, gosh, I wonder if we told staff you can't take a bag to senior staff conference. Like, <laughs> but the, the reality is we would have needs and some of us would need a spare, you know, set of clothes or spare shoes or whatever. And the, the expectation here, I think, is actually it's just going to be provided by those who you're going to minister amongst. Yes, absolutely. I think that's yeah. true. And but and I think it's worth um you know you do have to keep the passage in light of um Luke twenty two where Jesus says actually I told you before don't take a bag don't take any money but now I tell you you know get a staff and um yeah that kind of thing yeah so it's not that we we can't be prepared but it in this particular passage it's um Jesus training them that actually they need to be supported um by the people that they're ministering among. Yeah. yeah. Here's a, the passage in Luke 22. Jesus says to them from verse 35, when I sent you out without a purse, a bag or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, no, not a thing. And he said to them, but now the one who has a purse must take it and likewise a bag. 
and the one who has mm. no sword must sell his cloak and buy it. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think here what we, we, again, we have that precedent that it is certainly not unreasonable to do this kind of ministry, but it might, or ministry um, provided for in this way, uh, although it might not be always the yes. appropriate way to do it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Uh, the other thing um, that I thought was interesting was, um, you know, this idea about the harvest being plentiful but the labourers are few, um, yes. you know, and I think that links in really nicely with the idea that the labourer deserves his wages or his food um, is actually that there is work to be done. So um, God's kingdom needs workers. Um, there are so many people who need the gospel um, and God wants there to be workers out there to do that and it's um, something that deserves wages and something that deserves looking after and so actually asking for people to partner with us on this um, journey of proclaiming the gospel and working at uni to um, help students to grow in him uh, is actually really biblical. Mm. Yeah and I think I often talk to staff who Tracy says this is probably every second conversation she has with staff, uh, are concerned about their self-worth and um, the fact that there's so many other qualified, gifted, godly gospel workers out there whom the people they know could give to and churches could support. Uh, and I think when you read this passage, the issue isn't, oh, um, <clears throat> you know, am I the best? The issue is, you know, am I actually someone who's qualified and able to do this work? Actually, the issue is we just actually need more mm. and we want to send them out and we just to expect Jesus doesn't go around here and check with the towns that they're happy to receive a gospel worker. He's actually just saying pray and raise up workers for the harvest and just expect that the church will support. So I think that gives us mm. a responsibility to be careful about those we do appoint uh, mm. but, but also to pray earnestly that God would raise up more and more workers. Mm. Mm. Yeah, just shifts the focus a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, I'd love to finish by praying that, actually, and um, praying for us as we apply this passage. Are you happy to lead us in that, Sal? Sounds great. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for the opportunity to read your word and to be shaped by it, Lord. And thank you for the model um, that we've been given here with Jesus sending out the 12 um, to go and proclaim the gospel uh, and to work amongst the people in his name. Lord, we thank you that, um, yeah, we don't have to pay to receive the gospel, that we don't have to pay to hear the good news. Um, the gospel is free of charge. Um, but, Lord God, we do pray that you would help us to remember that um, as workers, um, yeah, we do have needs, and we thank you for all of the people who so generously support the, the needs of gospel workers across the country. Um, Lord God, we thank you so much for your provision and we do pray that you would continue to raise up gospel workers um, for your harvest and that you would continue to provide for them, Lord, that you would richly and abundantly provide through your people um, for more gospel workers to be uh, working amongst the people. And so, Lord God, we just pray that you would continue to um, grow us in our understanding of you, in our love for you, and also in our understanding of um, your vision for, um, yeah, partnership in the work of the gospel. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen.
Well, thanks for listening today. Our next episode, next Bible episode, which will be episode five, we'll be looking at Jesus' teachings on money in Luke 12 and thinking about how that relates to our partnership ministry. Thanks for listening.